All right, welcome back to Mild Sauce Live. I'm your host, Jake Krez, and we have a very special guest tonight. Uh, we've been recording here at Soundscape Studios for the last few weeks, and we've been lucky enough tonight to get the one, the only, Michael Kolar, owner, operator of Soundscape Studios, closed sessions, a uh, man of many extraordinary uh, abilities. Damn, thank you for those. Uh, I felt like it wasn't doing you justice. I was trying to get to it, but uh, yeah. I'm a short uh, bio enthusiast, so we don't need to. Ooh. Oh, wow. Shout out to uh, Cold Train. You, you just caught us on a Friday evening with rain going outside. This is a. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Kolar. You're coming live from the jazz studios at Soundscape Recording Studios. Sucker jazz. Here on Chicago Avenue. Does my voice sound rich and it pleasant? It sounds excellent. Yeah, okay. We, we got All the right. sound down. All right. But Beautiful. Uh, I was making sure. Didn't want to disrespect the legacy of Cold Train. <laughs> I want to make sure my anyway. voice was as smooth as the jazz. Anyway, uh, we're here at Soundscape. Tell us a little bit. Uh, what's going on? I don't know, man. I don't know how to, how to jump into it with you. There's like so much to, uh, so many starting points we could get to. But the number one focus right now is actually yesterday I launched Sonic Summit. Right. Which That's obviously the the headline news right now. Exactly. I've always had a fantasy of creating my own summer camp, um, where I could like pick cool people, like good food, like cool activities, mm -hmm. and just do something like that. Needless to say, I never got a summer camp. So I'm kind of making <laughs> one for two days here at the studio. But we're going to spend two days in the studio diving into every aspect of record making, coupled with taking the guests to uh, a variety of some of my favorite Chicago culinary hotspots. So it's a food and audio uh, tour de force of the record making process and you were telling me about this last week uh you're not gonna have sleeping bags this isn't a sleepover camp but no it's just a day camp <laughs> it's, it's a day camp. yeah yeah it's a day not camp. putting bunks up in the studio. february is a little yeah cold for sleeping over so but uh yeah but a whole weekend with you to get to know the ins and outs uh, yeah they're gonna be cutting records and cutting music. records gonna be secret surprise guest artists to record we're gonna pull up some cool sessions and look at the mixes so i'll pull out some old pro tools files from some some of my, my bigger records, take a look at some of those techniques, processes. Mm -hmm. We're going to fire up the tape machine. We're going to edit the tape. So um, use analog gear, digital gear, talk about mastering, plug-in versus analog. So. All that all that ner nerdy audiophile. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerd. Man, my camp's nerd a little nerdy. Yeah, yeah. It's a little nerdy. But so. uh, at the same time, I mean, to take people back a little bit, for those who might not know, uh, Soundscape, the place we built here on Chicago Avenue, has been like a centerpiece to a lot of the music that's come out of Chicago for what, like now about the last decade beyond, like decades. Yeah, uh, I mean I've known for the last decade, but I know your your history goes much deeper than that. Yeah, Soundscape started in '97 when I was still in high school, right. actually. And you so. had a different spot too back then. Yeah, right? we've been in some different locations. Mm -hmm. um, I think like all like high school kids it started in the garage yeah and put some of the magic foam fingers up in a corner and was recording my friends bands and i'd have my parents pull out the cars on the weekend and and do it in there uh then from there it morphed into the back of a starter and alternator shop on fulton I've which heard is about this one yeah which was an amazing my parents had a shop they rebuilt starters like car parts okay and you'd have to walk by like dudes hammering together starters to get to a <laughs> studio in in the back of, of the exactly building where you want for a sound studio in the front right yeah it was yeah <laughs> i tried to build it as like a speakeasy type of thing it didn't yeah. really quite work that way but yeah yeah that was our first like proper out the crib location okay 
uh, and spent about eight years there. Got some of my first like breaks. I got yeah. What kind of stuff are you doing? Like George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic walked in the door. How did that happen? You've told me these stories. Like I've gotten fragments of your George Clinton experience like throughout the time I've known you, but like I've never heard the origin story. It's left my brain. fragmented in the most beautiful way uh no how this worked i recorded i produced a debut project for a chicago punk band called secret agent bill okay really cool project loved it flopped no one cared it did nothing so um kind of forgot about it and that cd randomly made it to george clinton's tour manager okay who was a native chicagoan all right and he really liked it, played it for George. And George was like, man, I want to do, I want to produce these guys. I kind of want to do with punk what I did with like Red Hot Chili Peppers and like try my hand at doing a punk thing. Okay. And he liked the energy and the drumming and the groove of it. Because, I mean, punk can sometimes be simplistic, but these guys were a little like more like punk on steroids. Okay. So, and he didn't really know much about punk and, you know, the tones and sounds. So he brought me on to engineer with him overseeing it. So spent about a year with this guy in and out the studio and touring, and then he took the band under his wing, and he had, what is this called, George Clinton's Showcase of Stars. I don't know, but he had like a whole touring review with some of the other groups he was working with, and we kind of were like the lowest on the totem pole of that, okay. and rolled around with him, and I did assistant work for him and helped do sound at rehearsals and drive him around. And so you're like your role within his world just kind of like expanded. Yeah, and and all things basic. Yeah, nothing too <laughs> cool, you know. But but yeah, learn under ropes. But it also allowed me to watch like a maestro. Like I've never met anyone who drips more musicality from them mm-hmm. and his ability. When you sit at the board with him, he has this way of like giving you his attention where it's like no one else is on the planet but you and George. Like almost hypnosis. Okay. You know, even like his his stance and his chakras or sh- I don't know. He just like projects. It is man so like beams into my yeah, brain I and mean, dreams and stuff. He's like a, a presence, man. You know. It makes sense. I can yeah. imagine like especially how old was he at the time you were working Six, with him? Uh mid sixties. So he'd seen some he'd been through Oh a he, lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. And a lot of things yeah, by the time. So exactly. So yeah, he definitely knew a few things and saw a few things. And, uh, man, it was an amazing, amazing time. Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I first started coming around and hanging, like, I remember, like, sitting at the coffee shop waiting for you guys to let me come over and, like, do an interview or something like that. Uh, these were the stories you always told us, like, when we were sitting around waiting for something to happen. It was, like, the George Clinton stories, the early days, stuff like that. Um, what was it – how did you, like, build those early days into, like, what it is now? Because now uh, – like you have a whole building, you run a so business. when like I when that happened, I was yeah. in that first incarnation in my par- in the back of my parents' shop, mm-hmm. and that that was when I started working with George. I just knew I wanted to make records and I that wanted to own a studio, okay. and the studio business was radically different when 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 I started, much more regimented and professional and built out, and you know like you know the quality of studios. Was there a lot of other studios like what oh you're my to do lord? At the time? Oh, there was. Um, there's a publication called Illinois entertainer Mm -hmm. that when i started had something called the studio guide and the first one i got there was about i kid you not 70 studios really um was it all the same like level of studio was oh no i mean it was from you know crc like super quality 10 Mm -hmm. facilities down to entry level guys like me and many levels in between and there was so many more levels in between 
And the difference back then between like a $40 studio, a 60 a 90 and 125 was like night and day. Really? You know, so it's just, you know, because uh, technology advances mm-hmm. and, the, and the money, you know, there's a, there's been a great democratization of audio to right. where you go get a $500 Pro Tools M box that comes with Pro Tools. And if you're talented and have an ear for this, like you, you can get workable, you know, above the word I'd say workable. Mm-hmm. Not like what we do here, but... You know, that was not, that was, you know, you know we're the best. We are the, <laughs> we are the best. Um, that being said. Shameless plug. Uh, shameless plug. Um, man, like, I'm, man, the last couple of years, some of my biggest recent records were done, um, recorded home, where they make something at home, and I come in as jump in on the mixing and, and mastering mm-hmm. phase. So, but yeah, back then, but anyway, back to Eleanor Tenor, every year that studio section shrank and shrank and shrank, and they don't even have one anymore for like the seven Why of us it? idiots that want to try to run a studio is here. it just because it's so democratized now that the money's not there for it or is it like is it just a lack of people like you come from a generation of like you had to put a studio together right like you have when you go down to the a room it's here, it's a myriad of issues from zoning economics oh really That's where cool. do you put it how do your neighbors deal with like artists and rappers coming at all hours mm-hmm. and stuff you know so you need somewhere kind of quiet you need somewhere kind of isolated you know sound quality you know budgets you know we are in the midwest so it there's there's a ceiling to almost how much you can charge here right. and uh you know and and what you can put into where you know it makes it worth like a worthwhile return on on investment mm-hmm. like so it's like so many reasons it's just you know you go on for hours with that so so like when you came in here what was the process like starting this place up and uh like getting this building under under your wing did you was that just built off this was the first place that 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 i owned so this was my first i had the location in the shop then Mm -hmm. from there john monopoly hooked me up with this crazy bulgarian cat named (laughs) crossy and crossy was managing crucial conflict and for reasons we won't discuss on the podcast. This sure. man had a very elaborately built out studio complex okay. that had no gear in it, nor anyone who would know how to use it if there was. Right. And he came, Crossy came. I was mixing a Kids in the Hall record when John Minop was managing them and he invited Crossy over. Okay. And he's like, man, like, move into my space, mix and master like Crucial Conflict, you know, for free as like, you know, like, I'm going to give you this space. We're going to work out a profit split, and then you got to do free studio time for Crucial Conflict. So I was like, you know, I'm back then. I was trying to get out of the shop and, like, have a real place. Sure, so, yeah. so, and so, yeah, that was like a, almost a no brainer. So mm-hmm. then I jumped to 2010 South Wabash, which is, it was Kitty Corner from Reggie's Rock Room. So oh, walk yeah. That's I remember still a one, studio today. Right? Yeah. yeah I, I be, I, well, there, right? no, I think Complex actually left. I, I think, oh, really? I think KX left that spot. Okay. So, Last and what's I cool, because yeah. when I started leaving, I saw, we started renting KX rooms, and he just kind of picked up as, because there was three rooms there, and I rented one to KX when it was Soundscape. And then, okay. uh, then I, but then after a I while, definitely been there. yeah, then after a while I got, I got my own space. I'm not sure if it's still a studio down there. Cause I know Merc complex moved. Running, yeah. Complex. Merck is doing something even big. I think they've moved and Oh really? I haven't kept, track, I haven't yeah, been yeah. to the new one. It looks dope I'm on sure the gram and yeah. Merck's knows what he's doing and yeah. KX a good, a good dude, but I have, I haven't seen it. So, but so I didn't realize that. So that's where Soundscape yeah. was there before that. Man, was I remember like one time I had a session with Bun B and he could just walk out the back door, walk 
down the alley and then come in the stage door in the back of Reggie's. That's it was like really very, good, yeah, yeah it's very, very convenient. Um, or for any show, a lot of guys would do that, you know, or like that. What's like the most the, ridiculous situation you had, just like in, in that context, like working out of that space? Because that, that the traffic there had to be ridiculous. Oh, oh, man, because oh, like Lord. when you talk about people coming through town going to Reggie's, like I'm sure there's yes, it, and also that was at, that was podcast? at the apex of <laughs> rap blogdom. So that was like, like what 2010 or something. Yeah, exactly. Because let's see, it's 2020. I moved here about ten, eight years ago. So yeah, okay. I was there for about six years, but it was like the apex. Like every other night, Andrew Barber was there filming something for uh, Fake Shore, and then if it wasn't Andrew, then Alex was there for yep. for Ruby Hornet. Um, so many people coming out. It was like, uh, like, and we had these massive lounge spaces there, so right. we could be so much more hospitable in that basement. So it would just be like yeah. massive entree. And also, as a younger man, so I liked a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more of the turn up. But it was like a living uh, pop up shop of blog rappers. And like, then of course, with Crucial Conflict also there, like we had, uh, when Belo had to do a bid from do or die, we had his going away party there. Which, That's crazy because I yeah. actually interviewed Belo when he got out of jail at uh, in that same basement. We did bump Jay's last for, uh, recording for a double XL story a few years ago. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh Lord, that things come full circle. I guess that going away party is not suitable for podcasting. We'll we'll skip that one. I think but I've actually heard stories about it over the years. Like it is like that legendary. R.I.P. The coffee table, man. It never <laughs> bounced back. <laughs> It never passed. With all the king's horses and all the king's men, couldn't <laughs> put that coffee table to paraphrase your childhood. Is that a fable? It's not really a fable. Like, what would that be? What is that called? Parable? What is Humpty Dumpty? A pair? No, kids don't have parables. That's or like a dumb. <laughs> Here's your nighttime know. parable, Johnny. It's like how do you? It's not a fable though. It's like a children's story. Children's know. story. Yeah, we can agree on children's it's, story. Okay, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, Bro, if you guys know what it is. Barely a story. It's uh, no, of course they. No, I don't think many of you listen. Sing along. It's got like a song to it. I feel like there's a name for it though. Not, the Humpty Dance like is by Digital Underground. That's not relevant. No, I mean like it's got like a sing-songy nature to it. Like okay, Humpty Dumpty. That's what's up. Uh, but anyway, too many tangents. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Um, so you get here. I mean, like I started coming here in 2012, 2013. I didn't realize like you had newly minted this place at that time. Yeah, it was. It was. I just I wanted my own space, and I wanted something that wasn't subterranean. Yeah. Um, I wanted windows. Like, <laughs> I feel like you've when you get there. to a certain level in your career, you start getting a little sedity, and it's like fresh Tell air. Me about these levels. Though. I want Hold fresh on. air. Tell me about these levels because I've seen you hit these levels over time. Like, uh, you now you. You're lavishly, uh, what was your mileage thing? Where you got your tag over here? You can't even speak on that. Oh, you put your tag It's a secret over. level that they don't let people secret, know about. Secret uh, mileage levels. You know, you're, yeah. uh, you're all over the world now. You're worldwide. You're international. International Kolar. Uh, what's it What's it been like graduating those levels? Because I feel like once you got here, you're very much in your element, right? Like, you, that's when you really started. No, start. by the time we, we I moved into my own space was like it, it that that was like game changing for me as far as the business when you own a building and can build it and set it up mm -hmm. the way you want like it was finally like it was like a like a, like I always fantasize about building from the ground up that's not in a basement or a back <laughs> of a starter <laughs> shop or like like a real like a like a real live boy building with yeah, windows yeah. and ceiling you know what was this before. Oh man, this was this is Studio B. This was uh, an apartment. 
Oh, really? So that wall wasn't there. There was a pass. That wall wasn't there. There was a pass through to the kitchen. Okay. Um, The front was a studio. Oh, so it was already somewhere. Yeah, the dude worked up in A and then lived back here. So kind of makes sense when you walk through it a little bit. Yeah, because the reason that little lounge is so short because it's on top of the A room bathroom. But when I found the building, this had a mattress in there. Oh, really? That's what yeah. it got left. That's yeah, crazy. pretty, you know, yeah, pretty dedicated to his craft. So obviously, yeah. but A, we this we had to build from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and A uh, was there, but we like ripped it down to the bones. And redid everything. Yeah, because you got. I mean, you you told me about the uh, like it's like wallpaper. Yes, we do have French wallpaper. French wallpaper in Studio A. (laughs) Um, But uh, we put like a fifteen foot copper uh, rod in the parking lot in the ground for deep earth ground. Oh really? Uh, Yeah. So I got to do some stuff I always wanted. What's that? I mean, what is it? For my ignorant ass, what does that mean? Um, man, pipe in the ground. Here's what I'll, I'll explain it to you in a way that relates to something you do, because like okay. earth grounding, electrical grounding is a deep rabbit hole. But <laughs> okay. we all have like seen Pro Tools or Logic, and you see when it's when it's silent, there's just a flat line. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to reference true earth zero, zero ground, because electricity is positive and negative, and it, and it swings. And if nothing's happening, it should be flat. The problem is if you don't reference true ground, what we do in modern society is, because not everybody can do that, it's called OSHA ground. So no one gets electrocuted, but it grounds to the plumbing or the metal pipes in your building. But those are also have your refrigerator, your microwave, I don't know, whatever video games, like what other other crap you have in an entire building, and that's contaminating. So by breaking that and having a deep earth ground, um you know it's like you're getting true ground um so also when your speakers are, are turned off if it's true ground they're they're not pushed forward or back so you have okay. better transient response so this is like some this is something you could learn at the uh, you can google this well, and I was gonna learn. Say, uh, or it's sonic yeah <laughs> i will make every attendee no matter how cold and snowy go to the parking lot shovel the snow out the way and stare at a copper rod in the ground it's gonna be a real fun time that's a special treat for a saturday night yeah yeah <laughs> That's crazy. So uh, you also, I mean, at that time, you were also working with Alex. You mentioned Alex and uh, Andrew would always be around. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Hornet was in your studio a lot. Yes. Uh, is that how that relationship kind of coalesced? And when yes. It, it, man, exactly. Um, all of a sudden, something very strange happened to my sessions, my rap sessions um, at the, um, you know, that decade plus ago. It was all of a sudden. It always, you know, the manager was still there, mm-hmm. the artist was still there, the stoner buddy on the couch was still there, the barber popped by and and cut hair, and you know the occasional female guest. But there was a new character, and it was normally some type of mildly awkward dude in the back <laughs> with this gizmo that we all forgot about called uh, my flip. Or what? Oh, I remember those flip cameras. Yeah, because yeah. we at that point we're talking like I don't even think they had the iPhone three. No, you had to out. use those. It looked like a little wallet. Yeah, I think it was like this was like yeah. iPhone two, which wasn't like no, yeah. was like You're okay. talking about the flip thing where it, it was like, a dedicated thing that yeah, was the size hit, of a phone, and you yeah. hit it and like the USB popped right out, right? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. and a little switchblade, and then you that rip, is like a very yeah. like deep cut weird yeah. thing. Yeah, and they'd just be standing there filming me make records and filming everybody. It's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You yeah. know, it was because when I started in engineering, no one gave a fuck about the engineer. I was wallpaper, man. I sat here. I run the gizmo. No one asked a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like no one really 
cared what I was doing, how I was doing it, what this, I don't know what happened in society where over the last decade, now everyone is curious about the studio and engineering, there's YouTube shows. And I mean, it kind of goes back to the democratization of just like the yeah. sound. Exactly. There's like three glossy magazines you can get at an airport every month dedicated to what I do for a living, mm. you know, which, which is insane. And like a, probably a million hours of YouTube videos on how to make a kick drum good. <laughs> right. There's, you know, it. There's none of these resources, and no one cared about this except like an artist and a label and a manager. And Those Alex Fructor. And Alex Fructor. And yeah, <laughs> shout out Alex. <laughs> and shout out Alex. They cared about this, and you know, started filming. I was like, you know, and then I was like, and it's like, I think like his GLC was like, yeah, man, he runs a music blog. And I'm like, a blog. And I barely knew what a blog was, or I thought it was something like college kids. I don't know. It's like I was like also I was like a studio hermit, and yeah. you know. No, I remember you those know, years. Yeah, it was like, like I was, was like, you know, I didn't. It wasn't you know. as like obvious as what it is now. Yeah, I, yeah. So it, was, it wasn't as obvious, and you're also asking the wrong guy. So you know, Alice, I started talking with him, and you know, told me about Ruby Hornet, and I was like, yo, let me. Uh, um, Man, if you they started advertising the studio on the site, and I started mastering his mixtapes that he was dropping with right. you know, the, the internet era. So, and then Andy Barber started coming around. It was man, it was just an interesting, it was an interesting time. So, how did you and Alex end up like combining forces into closed sessions? Very circuitously, um, and uh, pragmatically, you know, uh. Just a all of a sudden I'm sitting in a studio with him because every night is like a different artist like yeah. Mickey Halston needs something or whoever this the different you know cool kids whatever was at that time like really you know holding the city the city down so we started talking we had stuff and then he was just like man like I want to and then it was also it was like right around like the on smash takedown remember right yeah you know, when, like, and and he and he was like wanted to make his own content instead of reposting everybody else's because right. that's what you know that's what you know for. so um he had his dj residency and at the time he booked a relatively unknown artist named currency who was starting to, mm -hmm. to ferment and currency is like a really cool dude but he's also like a very interesting like he didn't want to go to the club he didn't want to go he, like he was just like man like can we go to the studio and can i like smoke weed and listen to beats and make records and invite nobody over and i was like yeah man we'll have a closed session that's what came out of my mouth and man and they filmed it and made the documentary so originally this started as like content yeah because you know? like i mean for for everyone like not familiar like ruby hornet uh, fake short driver the two leading blogs in chicago at the time websites man um, well, they would ruby not hornet eat yeah they with, would not uh, well, with the closed sessions, started out uh, filming. It would bring in an artist from out of town, pair it with a producer, a local artist or a local producer, yeah, put them and together, collab, and, and then, then film the process, and, and then put out the song. Yeah, um, and then also take them to some Chicago, like we right. took Bronson Actually, to yeah, like you know, you know, like yeah, you know, like Blackbird for for like a fancy, you know, so, so you know stuff like stuff like that, and it's like without Andrew and Alex too, man. Like I, I can't, I, I like. 60% of this town's music industry jobs would not exist. That's fair. I, maybe 70 I came in and was if, asking if, them for if, advice. If the blog time. era didn't allow Chicago music to, like, collectively bargain and, you know, and get our consciousness aware where the other coasts and people, like, man, when I started, it was brutal when I started in this city, you know, especially in, in rap. It mm -hmm. was really... You know, there was no scene, there was no community, there was nothing to do with what you made here, there were no blogs. Was, all you could do was, like, make hot records and try to get 
it with A and R's, get a deal, move to a coast, and and that was the only viable plan. Right. You know that that's what you had to do. And some of your favorite, you know, earlier Chicago rappers did exactly that. Mm-hmm. You know, so but when that came along in the blog, and giving a voice um, to a certain level of artist and also not just you know blogging but like talking about their pro like people started like this getting interest in like remember there's like videos like Wiz Khalifa getting a spider high on his porch or whatever but lifestyle <laughs> so that's like before Instagram like, and shit yeah, yeah exactly before and like all that stuff was like through the blog and man it just created side industries and marketing companies and everything that when that collapsed it spun out but like man there wouldn't be hardly a scene here yeah in Chicago like those the blogs were incredibly important and then also doesn't get but they get their shine although you know it's dead now but you know they get what doesn't is at that time remember coconuts tower all of those stores were closing right and artists i remember like lupe dropped food and liquor at coconuts on wabash like he did like an Mm in-store signing and though those all went away and the blog was there so you could learn and see online but there was no physical place so Mm. When Juggernaut and Leaders um, and Dave Jeff with Fly Shop were like now, ours have like mixtape release parties at stores right, yeah, and yeah. like it, or leave or back then we like you know like I still have my physical ten day yeah mixtape. I mean like, and you Juggernaut leave, still has that in the front door yeah right? yeah and you and you leave you you leave your CDs there and you leave pluggers and they did in store shows and man like so many of like you know I remember those little freestyles that they used to do yeah uh, in like the front room and uh, what was that. On uh, was that what's what street was it? Was it Wabash that they were on? No, it was uh, Dearborn. Dear, was it Dearborn? Dear, I don't it's know. Where the Hooters was. I can't remember what street that is. No, that was that, no, no, that was well, 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 well. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah which uh, is now a KitchenAid appliance store. Yeah, the, the OG Leaders was, was, but yeah. yeah, man, like you know those those were and you know man things. That's why I like I'm just I'm blessed to be in business 23 years because now blogs and. You know, streetwear moved to Louis Vuitton now. It's like, you know, it's a whole, like, it's a whole, you know, now there's new things. And now podcast, you know, it's just, man. Everything just keeps evolving. So you've seen it all evolve. I mean. um, There's nothing new under the sun, you know. Yeah, it all is cyclical. You live long enough, you see everything, so. Well, one thing I feel like, uh, what was it like? I mean, everything you're talking about, like the leaders and Juggernaut and Andrew and Alex, I feel like it all kind of coalesced. Do you feel like it, it all came together with Chance? I feel like that is the artist that really, like, like Chance winning a Grammy, I feel like when you tell that whole background that you just told, yeah, feels like not oh. like it's a certification uh, uh, of all to, that. To stuff. use a sports and we'll have an analogy night. To use a sports analogy, I would use volleyball. In to be real, um, Chief Keith set it up, yeah, and Chance knocked it down. Yeah, and I, I would that, agree with that that yeah. that because I remember without naming names, sitting in the editor in chief of the Faders office many moons ago. And he was so geeked at like little Dirk recorded here, and it's like so, you know. So he's like, man, yeah. and and young chop and stuff, and and it's like, so what else is interesting? And I mentioned like kids these days, and Chance is like, ah, never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, like, that was a, that was a real thing. Now yeah. those guys went on to being on the cover of the Fader, yeah. of that very <laughs> publication. Yeah, but I mean, it seemed as though all that stuff you're kind of talking about, because after that, I mean, it's it's uh, everyone's obviously kind of changed a bit, you know, like yeah. everything's kind of a little different. You have Lyrical Lemonade. You have a lot of different avenues for these things to come mm-hmm. up, uh, Spotify. But that seemed like the pinnacle of, like, blogging and everything in Chicago, that little era that you're talking it about. It was, yeah. It yeah. Was, it, I've seen many eras come and go, but that was, like, a really, 
like magic one, like some of those nights at the East Room and stuff. Right, you right. know, like like you. The sessions. Th- here, I, I think the city felt triumphant. You know, there, mm-hmm. I guess there is a certain like man, like people were like getting livings, making pay. There's like video directors, like we had streetwear stores, several doing amazing things. They're still doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Fucking. Joe has a New Balance yeah, shoe all star stuff that looks ridiculous, and I love balances because I have <laughs> big feet and they're light. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, um, but that of of some of the changing of the guards over the years, like this previous gen, yeah, there is a certain triumph. Like, man, yeah. we really like. I remember geeking watching TRL and seeing Driving Down the Block by Kids in the Hall come on ahead of a like after Britney Spears, which means we were yeah. higher on. Um, you know that's what I made that record, and mm-hmm. then like they cut the Times Square, and you saw that big billboard, and it showed the album cover, and it's like I did, and it's like you know, like man, like right now an album I did is like eight stories tall on a light up billboard in Times Square, you know, yeah, getting yeah. played on at that time like the most relevant music show on earth, which is crazy to think about. Now. Shout out Carson Daly, is he still doing it then? No, I don't remember. Yeah, there's somebody else that does yeah. it. Yeah, no. Miss the Carson Daly. It's all right. Yeah. Sometimes you can miss MTV, man. It's more like more with the music angle. I mean, too. talk about yeah, things coming and going. Yeah. Uh, wh- how do you feel about like now though? Like that's something I've been talking to a lot of people on the podcast about. Is like we talk a lot about you know this like big era that just kind of passed, but I feel like we're entering a new one, and it seems a little bit more uncharted. Feels like uh, it's much more uncharted. It's, it's yeah. much more undefined. Um, it's much more. I feel pure. And not as clout chasey and 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 like the records I'm making now, like the young artists like Jack Larson or uh, Mother Nature, just different people, Jamila. You know, it's like these are like very like music with a purpose. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I always kind of when I was younger in high school, like like man, what would what would have been like to be alive in the '60s when like you know music was something more than like you know smoke or turn up or whatever to like man yeah. like you know it's it man it's like it, it's a little bit of a, of a different time um and i like that everything's a little more stripped and and and, and honest now so um I'm, I'm, I'm liking it man you know mm-hmm. a little different a, a lot also i like too at this point being making records for so long now i like the fluidity in which i can get in, involved where I was going to ask you, because like you were saying you were kind of learning that with George Clinton, right? Like how to be in each different part of the studio yeah, and stuff it, like that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm talking this even in the construct of the studio yeah, and, yeah. And, and record mm-hmm. making. I have some artists that record on their own and, you know, at the crib, and then they bring me their logic file, and I jump in there and enhance it and get it to where it can still compete and be big, yet not um betray like the the nature of of the i mean there's a million different like some mixers like make every record sound like their record they have a heavy sonic signature i'm not like i'm here to like man like i'm here to honor like the vision of the artist and the producer and i feel like if they're paying my rate um they must really like the record they're hiring a professional to mix it and master it, and i kind of want to be true and enhance and beautify and just give what they created its highest pedestal to you know to you know catch awareness and ears and compete in in the industry um 
I really like that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, man, sometimes, like, the old way of making records and sitting in a studio and, like, being on the clock and, like, we're in a studio and here's me behind the plate glass window, like, staring at you and we're not right. getting there. And it's like, you know, it's like, man, sometimes that can be cool. Like, high pressure is cool. Like, I've made amazing high pressure records. Mm-hmm. But there's also something... Too, to just like this era just reminds me of the 60s it's stripped down it's cleaner it's a vibe and it really is like just kind of speaking to the era we're in so i've, I've never been more optimistic and people are like well man, man people can record at home it's like, i don't know we've never been busier um definitely you know we have more divert like more of our sessions are of a different nature for i mean we have some people that come here like because they can wail on drums mm-hmm. and then they take it home and mix it so we have like drum only recording sessions they come That's in like you know so it's like you know it's like so we have we, we stay booked really well but we have way more different variations of sessions people coming in rec- home record we still have plenty of people that record traditionally we have people that just need to record instruments here we have man it's all over the map you know yeah. which wasn't the case it used to be a little more stock and trade of a certain you know, like a tracking session or a mixing and mastering session and now and then how you can bounce along so quickly between everything. I think that's amazing because yeah. it's like something that's unique to Chicago too. I think you can't really like there's not a lot of places to go bang on drums in New York, you know. Yeah, um, no, that's why there's no there's no New York music scene. Right. There's barely even a New York music business scene because they're all making the L.A. exodus. It's like I only go to New York for press reasons. You yeah, know? I mean, it's like and they're leaving too. Like, even the artists I know when a, when a major comes around, they're at the la office you mm-hmm. know it's, it's just too expensive i mean yeah. there's there's no you can't even have like you know austin they brought webster hall back but to, to make it work in today they had to get rid of the dope basement where so many amazing young artists got their first chance to pop out in new york right. at a reputable venue and earn like so many of like your favorite chicago artists first new york pop out was in that little low ceiling yeah, yeah, you yeah. know basement basement room there and there's not you know, I mean, like, shout out, like, Baby's All Right in Brooklyn for having that intimate room. SOB's but, kind of, but, yeah, like, yeah. It's, a little, it's a little wide, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, a, you know, uh, it's like, yeah, just like, I don't know anyone music creating there. I know, yeah, I remember trying to find an opening act for a band out there. And it man! Was like, uh, uh, for the Omas, and it was just like, you couldn't, everything was like a dream pop duo or like a single rapper. Oh, man, like, I, we had uh, Guru, Jay-Z's engineer here in Soundscape, complaining that sometimes he has a hard time last minute getting studio time for Jay-Z in New York City. That's insane. Jay-Z, let me rephrase, Jay-Z in New York City. Right, yeah. Also, like, why doesn't Jay-Z have a studio of his own in New York City? Because there's only a handful of really good studios left in New York City, and, like, his wife has him locked out for months. You know, (laughs) low-key. Oh, man, I broke some news there. But, yeah, yeah, it's just... there's not that many studios. You can't afford to live there. No, it's crazy. I mean, I was just I was just tweeting earlier today about I was walking downtown and there was like a Walgreens downtown that closed and there was like a Seven Eleven in Wicker Park that closed. Like, how can a Seven Eleven not pay rent in Wicker Park? You know, like everything's just getting priced out. And it's a it's like a weird time to be in a downtown oh, type yeah. of area. Chicago ain't far behind. No, with, yeah, with costs. That's the stuff. shadow coming over. Yeah, and all the weed tax in the world ain't gonna help fill these deficits. Eighty dollar eights. Shout out. We need every Illinoisian smoking an ounce a day (laughs) to like get these pockets. Well, they don't even have enough to keep up with that. Yeah, we don't even have enough if we all want it. Like Pritzker, like mandated, like like a executive order. Every Illinoisian will go buy one ounce a day. (laughs) Bank holiday, city hall is closed. You will go and smoke this and buy it legally and pay that tax. We're not far off, man. No. It's coming one day. 
Yeah. We'll figure out a way to get your money. They always do. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's Chicago going on. They always get your pockets. Uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer. We're going a little long. But uh, what's something you want to leave everybody with? Like, what's a, what's like a good lesson you've learned over these last years? Because like, like, we went through a lot in a very short amount of time. But uh, yeah, it was all, what's like all something you kind of take with you from like all the experience you've had over the time building this uh, this empire, this sound recording empire soundscape that you've, you've made here? Gratitude. Like several generations of Chicago artists have trust me to make sure their their product is the best representation of themselves, man. Mm. Like the best face they can put forward, man. From Crucial Conflict decades ago to, to like them, like man, first group with like a, a gold record that gave me a shot, mm. you know. Um, to Chance and the modern Vanilla and stuff today, I was like, man, like. It's been an amazing journey. I could have kept this podcast going for ninety years with the stories. Oh, I know. Yeah, from <laughs> from from that, like we could have gone. Man, we have a series uh, of these. And, I was. Man, I still plan on doing like the Kolar Chronicles one day. We're gonna get all these stories. We'll collab on that, but it's just bad. <laughs> it's just like gratitude and like and, and like it. This industry is so quick and 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 and, and easy to just man like just take take your soul down take you down a few pegs and just you know it's like you don't have to let it do that you know mm -hmm. like man like just remember a little gratitude like we make records for a living you know like we get to do cool things so like you know gratitude take everything with a grain of salt um don't worry what other people are doing you know just focus focus on yourself and what i don't know those would be the takeaways not bad advice yeah well, uh, we could go all night with this one. Mm -hmm. cut can it we out. can we roll out with a little Coltrane? Can we bring? You want to you want to roll it out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only thank it. the listener. You got the scarf oh, on. You got oh. the jazz scarf on. Oh, I do have the jazz scarf on though, but I think <laughs> I think the album finished. Hold on. The world on a blue desktop. Did you hear that? They used to do that in the studio. This is called slating a recording. They say take one yeah. and yeah, that's they left it in there. Well, hi, I'm Michael Kolar. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in tonight. This has been Mild Size Radio. I hope Radio. you find uh, my voice rich and pleasant and as smooth as the uh, oh, just crash as smooth as the jazz you were listening to. But we'll thank you for tuning in. It's my first time on Mild Sauce. It's a uh, it's been a pleasure. I think uh, we've been we've been working towards this for a while. Thank you for humoring my scarf. Absolutely, actually, I think it's a little chilly tonight, though. It's damp and cold. It's like yeah, it's very, a good scarf uh, night. It's a good so scarf what do they like call that in the east? A nor'easter. It's very a cold. It's very. It's a, it's a New England evening. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I should just eat fish sticks. I know. I'm I'm driving for some reason, but anyway, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it or coming on, come, letting me come here and uh, do this for many years or whatever. I appreciate it. In terms of gratitude, I appreciate you. The pleasure's been all um, mine. And yeah, we'll get the fuck out of here. This has been Mild Sauce Live. This has been Michael Kolar, Soundscape Studios. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>